Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline. Today, we're talking to directors Jesse Shortbull and Laura Tomaselli about their new film, Lakota Nation versus the United States. They had a lot of folks involved in the filmmaking, you know, on screen and behind the scenes, but the executive producers include Oscar nominated actors Mark Ruffalo and Marissa Tomei. Now, this powerful new documentary is a searing testament to the strength of the Oye and a visually stunning image of a people long shaped by Hollywood. Too long, if you ask me. Lakota Nation versus the United States is a lyrical and provocative tribute to a land and a people who have survived removal, exploitation, displacement, genocide, you name it. But their best days are yet to come, as this documentary will show. Jesse Shortbull wrote and produced the 2013 short Istinma, which is set in the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation of South Dakota. As a graduate of the Institute of the American Indian Arts, Short Bull received a 2016 Sundance Institute Native American and Indigenous Program Development Grant and also attended the Creative Producing Summit at Sundance. Laura Tomaselli is a director and editor whose filmmaking credits span narrative, documentary, and commercial projects. Most recently, she edited the documentary feature MLK slash FBI. On this episode, I talked to the directors about the documentary editing process. We also talk about the ongoing battle for land between the Lakota Nation and the United States. And we also talk about working with actors and producers, Mark Ruffalo and Marissa Tomei. And with that said, let's get into it. I want to tell you about the Sioux uprising, but I don't know where to begin. At the center of all the treaties the Lakota have signed with the United States government is the Black Hills. X marks an agreement. Most tribes have treaties with the federal government and they're all under the War Department. And another X marks this land as ours. This is our Mecca, the most sacred place in the world. That's why the Black Hills are not for sale. Thank you both, uh, LT and Jesse, for coming on to the Scene to Scene podcast. Uh, I went to the screening in Manhattan, and it was quite an electric uh, gathering, you could really feel the the sort of intensity and and uh, pressure in the room. Can you talk about what that night was like for you guys? Valerie, it was like you said. I mean, it was definitely electric. I think in the in the moment, you know, um, 
I think Laura and I and everybody was just kind of going through the motions, but looking back on it now, I'm really grateful uh, for that event. I'm grateful to our team for our producing team for pulling that together. Uh, grateful for um, Marcus Mumford, Mark Ruffalo, Marissa Tomei to come out and show support. And uh, I'm really grateful to the people that uh, attended. Uh, we had a lot. Uh, I had at least an hour or two of conversations after the film with the people that watched. So uh, it was a really amazing night. And uh, um, I, I think it just kind of... Uh, made us all feel good because you know that's the documentary you know we want people uh, to feel the people's good nature and mm -hmm. and feel good and i think that uh having all of us kind of assembled under one roof just really helped mm -hmm. and uh lt you have any comments to add on that sure i always hate going after jesse because he, he's i feel like he's much wiser than i am but <clears throat> i'll reflect on one thing that he said which is I think a lot of um, both the festival travel and this season specifically, uh, we've been really blessed with this film to travel a lot and to show it a couple different festivals. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, I don't feel like you're, you quite get the, how special the night is, how enormous it is, because you're scrambling until the last minute to make it happen. Um, but we had we had like a, a like a a lull, I would say, in our schedule for two days in New York, where we really just got to sit around and talk about how special this whole experience has been, especially that night. And you know what's funny? I'm going to start kind of backwards. Um, so I had spoken to Julie O'Keefe. Now Julie O'Keefe is the costume consultant on Killers of the Flower Moon. And she said something the other day that really struck, uh, that stuck with me. And I wanted to get your opinions on it. I told her, I said some of the backlash against the film has been, because Lily Gladstone has been very vocal about certain things. And uh, I told her some of the backlash has been, well, many say because Lily Gladstone is not Osage that she doesn't have, the authority to sort of speak on Osage issues. And Julie said, you know, sure. But she said, once any of the 500 or so tribes gets their land taken away, there's a realization that that can happen to anybody. And that, um, you know, that every tribe is sort of connected by this idea of colonialism and imperialism um do you have any comments on that sorry it took me a while to get to the point but no 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 um i i think you know uh crystal tubals in our documentary really uh sums it up and it's something that um i think about every time i watch the documentary and um I watched Crystal say it, and what she says is, is that every single day, um, our lives are, you know, impacted by 
white supremacy. And what I think about is, you know, as a former uh, employee for the Oglala Sioux tribe, as a tribal citizen of the Oglala Lakota nation, it's very true that these things have, systematic things have, it's all around us, even in things that maybe we're not actively think that is impacting us. And, and, and some of those things, like you mentioned with, uh, you know, the discussion around who can play who or, or whatever. I mean, I, I think that that's where a lot of this mindset, you know, and, and, and I know why, because it's, it's difficult to trust in this day and age. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that if we can look at some of these things and how they're impacting us, then we can be a little bit more open and free to, you know, have creativity. But because we're still in a world where um, people are taking advantage of the system, people are taking advantage of you have to be really scrupulous. Um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and and I don't think it will be like that forever, but it's just the way that things are at the current moment, you know? I think that there's um, a lot of, you know, just sort of as people of color in America, we all exist at the same intersections. We exist at more intersections than we don't exist, than other intersections. And I think um, what, you know, the point that she was getting at is that there's this commonality that we sadly all share. Um, And when you talk about like, you know, white supremacy, which the film does hit on and how it's affected every tribe, especially Lakota's very differently. Um, There's still that universal, that universal fact. So thank you for, for, for hitting on that. Now, I wanted to talk about how does one in a documentary like this, how does one sort of gather the research and lay out the exact type of story you want to tell with probably three to 500 hours of footage across several years? You know, what does that, what does that look like when you're sitting down in the editing studio and you say, this is what we want to tell. Now this is what we got to go look for. It's terrifying. <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't mean that, but I think it, I think it was a it's a complicated process and it's very much a process. You know, I think that I uh, as an editor, certainly as a co-director with Jesse, it's very much an organic process the entire way through. I think that um, I am definitely I've I've been an editor for long enough that for me, I don't work from um a written script or anything like that i think a lot of times um the way that makes the most sense is cutting these uh, you know we cut one or two important scenes early on and let those sort of naturally dictate what float around them um and i think certainly from very very early on for both jesse and i although we had different entry points uh Laylee long soldier's poetry in terms of telling us how to how to tell that story 
in terms of not being completely linear, going based on theme and feeling and stuff like that, gave us some license uh, to play around with with form and structure and order and stuff. But it was it was organic the entire way the entire way through. I just because I just wonder how, you know, one sits down because editing um, is you are the storyteller, essentially. You are the main one that the director and the studio is looking to to tell this story in the most coherent way. Um, how did you deal with that pressure um, and knowing that, you know what, I, I got this and that Jesse has my back. And also, Jesse, I want to know, you know, what was it like sitting on on sitting on inside of that process? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Um... It, this this goes back to one of the first things that Laura cut in the film, and this was probably before that we we met each other in person, and she cut a scene with Doris Day singing about the Black Hills, uh, and it's an excerpt from a Western movie of the '60s or so that uh, I never seen before and didn't know exist. Once, once I saw that little uh, sketch that Laura put together, <laughs> I knew that she was going to um, find, you know, amazing things, uh, and 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 just have a lot of that thrill uh, that come. Because when I saw that, I not only was I learning something, you know, and discovering something, but I was also felt a sense of a thrill. Uh, in, in going down this uh, path, you know, so yeah, I think that, and and you know, Laura was definitely under an immense amount of pressure because we basically, um, she had to be locked up in her room for nine months or so. But the thing is, is that because I knew how magical uh you know like that sketch was that it the best thing to do was just to try to support her in the best way because um i knew that um she she was going to she was going to find the beats of the story that she needed to find and uh with all this material that we threw at her uh and she was able to and yeah it was amazing I just, you know, I think an editor's job is one of the most essential and also like one of the most isolating. So I always wonder, you know, what's that like as you're sitting in front of the computer and what goes through your head, you know, as you're putting it together again and some of the pressures that may come with being an editor for something that's so deeply personal to uh, a large community of people. It's such a good question and one I, I probably won't be able to fully articulate. <clears throat> um, I think that a lot of times my friends that don't work in documentary film and certainly aren't editors are ask me why I work on subjects that are heavier, um, that are serious. And they're like, why can't you cut something, you know, lightweight? But I think that one of the things that bonded Jesse and I together early on beyond just our sensibility, you know, the idea of both of us understood, I think the weight of telling this history, right. But 
if there were opportunities to be a little satirical or a little bit funny, just to give a breath in there, you know, I knew that we both wanted to do that. Um, but I think from early on in this process, like in and, and almost every edit I do, like I do think that taking people's stories is is something of a sacred, you have like a sacred obligation to make sure that they're reflected back to them in a way that feels appropriate and also feels like they recognize themselves, you know? Um, I've been lucky to not have to work on really any documentaries where I'm trying to make someone into a villain, you know? Um, so a lot of the work I can do is guided by empathy and um, trying to understand some of these things that are really hard to understand. So I think that in terms of that stress and that pressure that you're talking about, I feel that a lot. And but that that helps me in a lot of ways to understand the urgency of the job that I'm doing. And it's it's kind of my fuel day to day, I think, to feel to feel the weight of the story and feel how important it is, you know. It's a cliche question, but what inspired Jesse to want to make this film um, about the Lakota Nation specifically? There are so, I'm so glad there are so many narratives coming out and you're learning that there are so many tribes going through different things and the same thing at the same time. So what made you say, you know, it's Lakota's time right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the first and foremost answer is it wasn't something that I was actively pursuing. And part of the reason of that, Valerie, is I think that growing up here uh, and being close to the story, even though it was still something that was very sheltered by those that are part of the traditional Lakota governance, uh, Despite the fact that even though I'm right there, it was still a story that was not easily accessible to me. But also, I think that there was a fear around attempting to go into that world. And and so had this opportunity not really materialize. I don't know if I would have ever pursued it uh, outside of, you know, uh, my job as a, for the tribe. But as, from a creative standpoint, I don't think, uh, I don't know, I can't say. But the thing is, is that I, I since my time as a young adult where I started to become more comfortable in my identity, you know, my father's a tribal member, my mother's a non-native uh, lady. Um, I didn't know where I fit in, in uh, all of this. <laughs> but as once I started to discover that, I started to really adopt a Lakota uh, worldview and, and think of things uh differently and try to incorporate prayer and everything into everything that I do. And, and one thing that started to happen was 
I started to see signs. So really the catalyst was our producer, Benjamin Hedin, who saw a news article about the court case uh, and, you know, reached out to me as far as, you know, trying to see if we could collaborate on uh, moving this forward. And I just kept waiting for signs and those steps were just kind of put out in front of me to pursue it and so that's really how I came into it was just trusting my intuition and then uh what I perceived to be there's a reason that this story is coming forward and that I could be a tool to help the story come forward that's a really great answer I all of the different um, things and facts that came out in this documentary and while researching, was there any, for both of you, was there anything surprising that you found uh, within the history of the nation that kind of shocked you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, one, one thing that I'm really proud of, Valerie, is you know, a lot of our tribal members, you would be surprised, you know, they, they know a lot of the stuff that we feature in the film. Uh, they can cite it, you know, off the top of their heads. Like, they know of Dakota 38. They they know exactly what happened at Little Bighorn. You know, all of these things, uh, they, they know the treaty, uh, the first, you know, articles of the treaty. You know, they, they're very well versed on that. But the one thing that I think that I'm really proud of for as far as our tribal audience, our tribal members is the stuff regarding the Supreme court case and the reflections of uh, Mr. Lazarus, the attorney who was one of the, on the team of that Supreme court case and the court of claims. Some of that testimony and insight that's, that's never been out in the fold before. Uh, outside, you know, like into the large public scale or p- uh, public eye to understand how that kind of went down. And there's an excerpt between uh, attorney Arthur Lazarus and one of the justices of the Supreme Court where um, they're talking about whether or not taking land is, uh, if it's, if it's, if it, you can't, if the government couldn't do it to a white man, is could they do it to an Indian? And there's a little bit of a back and forth between there. And and that I think's a real gem for the film because uh that that sort of information isn't too accessible. It, it, you have to really kind of dig for it. And um Elsie, what about yourself? I think um and I don't know if this is not quite answering your question, but I think like I wasn't that surprised. There were a lot of facts that I didn't know for sure, like the scale and scope of some things. Um, but I think I was really surprised at how much pop culture like really does specifically reference uh, Lakota people and leaders and um, in, like, you know, inaccurately represent them, of course. But how many pieces of pop culture we could really find that directly tied to this. And I think and I think the flip side of that coin that like the incredible surprise has been 
sharing this film. Uh, we were lucky to do a reservation tour this past summer and sharing this film in South Dakota and North Dakota that there are archival clips in the film um, you know, that haven't been seen in these places. And there are people that come up to Jesse and me and say like, oh, that's my relative. Like I've never seen that clip before of them. Um, yeah, so that, you know, not quite a surprise in the filmmaking process, but right after it, you know, and that that has been really amazing too. I think it's always a funny thing to ask <laughs> marginalized folks. Are you surprised? Because <laughs> it's like the 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 answer is usually like, uh, no. Um, so I think that that's like, a, you know, a really good point. But I think sometimes as we continue to learn, you know, history has been unkind. Uh, American history has been unkind to so many of us and hidden so many of our histories. I think it's, I still get surprised when I hear things about sl how slavery went down and, and everything like that. So um, it's just amazing to just hear the different perspectives from folks and, and, and see, you know, sort of what, you know, how they've processed the information that they've learned. I guess my next question is, you know, how did Mark Ruffalo and um, Marissa Tomei come on board uh, the project? That's a credit to our, you know, producers. And we have so many uh, amazing producers on this project. Um, and I think that when Laura was getting close to having uh, a cut, um, it, we were very intentional in trying to see how we could get this to the most eyes possible. And... Uh, because unfortunately, a lot of Native stories don't ever crack, you know, any level of consciousness outside of a regional or, you know, and, and very sometimes, you know, short period of time. So we wanted to try to keep this, get this to the highest level that we could. And so... You know, Mark Ruffalo, who uh, credits, uh, you know, Standing Rock as a pivotal moment in his life when those uh, protests against the pipeline were going as a is a very important, you know, moment uh, and, and a moment for him to become an ally. I think that we saw that he had a very massive um following uh via social media and that it was something that if if he believed in this story if he believed in what laura and i was doing and everybody else that and if we felt good about him that let's try to make it happen because again it's to try and get this story out out of the ruts that have befelled others. And so um, we, we reached out to Mark and I, you know, and then it just kind of like a chain reaction, you know, pretty soon uh, another Marissa Tomei. Uh, and I, I just can't, it, it, it's difficult, you know, because you have to, everybody's so busy and then our producers, but it's also a real credit to our indigenous producers, 
uh, Sarah Eagleheart, uh, Jody Archambault. Um, they really helped nurture a lot of these relationships for the long haul. And, you know, we set out our goal, which was Mark, not only Mark believed in the film, but Mark has become, you know, very outspoken on a lot of the issues in Lakota country. So it, it's been a really great relationship. And then I think for both Laura and I, as we come to uh, work with these people, um, we started to really have a profound sense of uh, just admiration for, you know, their willingness to, you know, be, be allies, you know, and, and if nothing else, you know, that's the biggest thing out of all of this was we have allies now, you know. Something that you mentioned that was extremely important was the fact that, but you want to find people who understand that the story is bigger than them and are okay with that. And, you know, Mark Ruffalo and Marissa Tomei have been outspoken in Hollywood for some time. And the stars really aligned for you guys. And, and I'm so happy that, you know, just as a as a viewer and someone who loves documentaries, that they are attached to it because you get to show something that is as full and authentic to the vision, you know. Um, and something that hasn't changed. Have they? Were they uh, instrumental in, in 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 telling the story in any kind of way, or did they just come on officially and say, you know, we're here to support you in any way possible? I'll I'll just chime in and say that they were both. Um, I haven't had an experience on a film with another um, with, with people that are as high profile and, and that are also as willing to be as involved as you want them to be or completely go away. They both sent through very kind, kind of gentle notes on an early rough cut we had. And in the same email acknowledged that they might not understand that if we didn't agree with any of those notes that, you know, it's our business. Our, our producing team. Uh, so there's Benjamin Hedin, Laura's partner, Phil Pinto, and then our indigenous producers, uh, Sarah Eagleheart, Kevin Killer, and Jody Archambault. Um, I think that we're really grateful that they came in and championed this film and just really um, a lot of those things like with Mark and the celebrities and all of these things, um, you know, they really did a lot of heavy lifting on that. And um, that makes life easier for all of us uh, to try and focus on the goal, which is to promote uh, some sort of justice for the Black Hills. And I was just really grateful uh, for all of them. Uh, and they they just were fantastic. What do you hope when people see uh, the film and they walk out of the theater, what do you hope they walk away with? I know... For example, I walked away with a sort of profound sense of urgency, like there's a call to action. Again, that whole thing resonates in my head. I'm like, if it can happen to you, it can happen to me too, and it can happen to anyone else. So I'm hoping, you know, 
to hear about what you hope people walk away with. I want them to understand that this great injustice has occurred. And I know that the U.S. has a long, a long list of great injustices in its course of its history. Um, you know, and, and I think that growing up here in South Dakota, there's this sort of bizarre, um, lack of understanding to why we are the way that we are today and why is there tension why is there conflict why is there bloodshed um and being around lakota country i have never encountered a more kind generous loving people so it was very uh hard for me to understand like why why are people say don't come on a reservation why do people say stay away from this side of the town you know because that's where the natives did i didn't understand any of that stuff you know and what i want people to do is just acknowledge that for this particular history that something great as uh, injustice has occurred but i don't want anybody to feel like they themselves are responsible uh, because a lot of those people that enacted these things are long gone. They're skeletons in the ground. But what I do want people to think about is we can work together. We can fix this injustice. Even though I can't go back and stop wounded knee from happening, we can do things that help uh, ensure the quality of life uh, for our younger ones. And they are struggling with things the way that they are now. So I want people to realize that we can do something. We can work together, no matter if you live in California or Georgia, or there, there's something that we can do together to ensure all of us can make a better quality of life. And you, uh, I know you don't, uh, I know you're like, oh, going after Jesse, but um yeah, what do you help people get out of the, you know, out of the story that you were able to sort of help tell here? I think that there's two things that this question makes me think of. One is, you know, I think that there's, it's easy to think of genres that this movie kind of riffs on as being a Western. But one of the things for me that I thought about a lot is a superhero film. Um, and I say that specifically because this film is very specifically a call to action for the Black Hills to be returned. Um, however, for me, it's also a bit, it's a love letter to activism, um, all sorts of, all the different <laughs> flavors of necessary activism that are happening today across America. And I think it's about like restoring the dignity of protest because we see how much it's threatened um, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And so I think it's whether it's Cop City or whether it's, uh, you know, in Atlanta or whether it's the middle of the country, like all these things are related. And I think it was important to me to show the dignity of what it means to, you know, get out there and actually protest. So I hope that people take away from this film that there is hope and optimism in that act. And if you're not feeling good doing nothing, that you can do something and you'll feel better, you know? Right. It was really amazing talking with you guys. 
<laughs> technical issues and all mutes and all. Um, I think what you've done is is really amazing and very difficult. Um, you know, again, when it's a story so deeply personal to a large group of people, there's always doubt there. Um, but I think you told the best story to tell. And I walked away again with a sense of, of urgency and a call to action. And that was all you guys. So thank you. And thank you for coming on the Scene to Scene podcast. Thank you.